Drive-by cinema. Three nachos and a foaming thermos of fun. Hello and welcome. It's episode 41 of Drive-by Cinema. Co-host Paul. Hi, everybody. And special guest Jacob returning for this episode about us. Hi, Jacob. Hey, y'all. I've got some corrections and omissions to bring up with you. This is listener feedback. Oh. I was going to say, Richard, if the corrections are... You're announcing them, yeah? Do they concern mm. anything that you said in particular? Actually, I don't remember who said... I think oh. we both made this error. Could you slap yourself while, you, while you're announcing them? Kind of like, you know, on the cheek. What, in an auditory kind of... Yeah. You think that would be satisfying for the listeners? Potentially, yeah. I mean, or not. I don't remember what episode it was we were talking about this, Paul. We, cool. we, we were talking about guys having midlife crises. Oh, yes. And disappearing or leaving their clothes on the beach and stuff like well, that. Well, no. First of all, I said, you know, what happened to the old 1980s? More than meltdown, more than nervous breakdown. I don't know, the complete breakdown where, you know, your dad wakes up one morning and is naked except for his socks on the front lawn, screaming and talking to the car, <laughs> saying, I'm not driving you to work today. In front of all the neighbours, kind of thing. Uh, we started off there, yeah. And then we got on to Richie Rich and... Not Richie Rich. Richie Manic. Richie from the Maddox Street Preachers and how he disappeared. For real, yeah. We all, But we also said Lord Lucan disappeared in these circumstances. I think you did. Can I just put the blame oh, on you for this one? Because he didn't disappear in quite that way. Lord Lucan disappeared from his boat or his... Did he? His yacht or whatever. From New Haven. He just plopped. Yeah. Plopped overboard, kind of thing. You make it sound a bit like the way Robert Maxwell died, don't you? When you say oh, yeah, that. I was I was thinking of Robert Maxwell there, but I don't know that we know he died and fell overboard. He just just disappeared from his yacht. But who did disappear from a beach? That was a, a Labour MP called John Stonehouse in 1974. Wow, he just left his clothes on the beach. I suppose the idea was everyone presumed he was dead, but he actually turned up in Miami. He didn't. Later on. Oh, no, sorry, no. He, it was a beach in Miami where he left his clothes. He turned up in Australia. Wow. Doing what? Picking grapes? I don't know, living a different life, I guess. Yeah. Gosh. Was, well, I think I've heard the story. Wasn't it a while later? It was a while later, yeah. That he was found, like a decade or something. And then about 10 years ago, there was a guy, canoe man, I think... Who faked his own death. I think he was called John Darwin, oddly. Why did he fake his own death? Uh, well, probably for insurance reasons, ah, I think. That's a common reason, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Uh, this is all information coming from listener Pete. Hi, Pete. Whose claim to fame hey. here is... He faked his death. No, one oh. of his friends was at uh, Lord Lucan's daughter's wedding. No way! Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Wow. So she's still around though. I presume so, yeah. So it's not hereditary. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did I did have something else I want to say, but just just no. Go on. I I've forgotten it, apart from anything else. My brain I've okay. old man brain or getting to be old man. No, brain. no, you don't know yet. You've just you've got no idea. If you can join a gym, I would suggest you do. Apparently that's the best thing. Crosswords. Mm. That kind of stuff. We exchange those regularly, Paul. <laughs> I don't think we need to worry about, <laughs> about that. <laughs> now, Jordan Peele's second big movie, 
after Get Out, which we all really liked, is this movie, Us. From 2019. It opens with the text on screen telling us that there are thousands of unused tunnels in subterranean America. Which doesn't come into play until much later, actually. We don't really work out why it mentions that. But you hook it up later. But this is a recent film, but it's set in the 80s at the start, isn't yes. it? The very start. There's also yeah, there's also a television uh, showing the Hands Across America charity drive right at the beginning, which is also... That's right. What's the idea here? Uh, I did look it up. Uh, apparently a thing... Ha- I didn't know. I didn't know. It, it was a real yeah, thing. it was a yeah. real thing. Really happened, amazing. So what? So the idea was that they were going to get lots of volunteers to stand in a line across the continent and hold hands <laughs> in a chain to alleviate poverty and homelessness. I think. I think so. Oh, yes. Okay. Noble, that, that's noble not causes. Important. Not important. Is it? it doesn't matter why they did. Well, they failed. It's just a fun thing Let's to remember do. that. Well, it, it, I mean, it they made the chain, but failure. they didn't defeat homelessness. That's all I'm saying. That's true. <laughs> The thing about the chain is they didn't really make an unbroken chain mm. because, I mean, there must be hundreds of miles in the US of complete, wet, you know, desert wasteland that even if anyone said that they were there, no one was there to check, mm. right? So, But in some of the urban areas, the chain was several people wide, you know. Wow. So it was like double stacked in, in the urban areas. But it wasn't an unbroken chain. So, by its own terms, it failed, which is a bit disappointing. Oh. Hmm. And it was considered a bit of a failure because it cost a lot of money to administer the charity and set it all up and run it. And so, it made it did make some money for charity, but nowhere near as much as they collected, hmm. you know, because it was just such an expensive thing to do. Very 80s thing, though, wasn't it? Like, to do a fun run or to do a hand-joined dinghy for charity kind of thing, wasn't it? I mean, Balloon Fest, nineteen eighty six, very eighties thing. <laughs> what happened there was that, it was Cleveland, was that hot air balloons. Cl- no, or? Cleveland, Ohio. They inflated, I think it was eighteen million balloons. Holy god! <laughs> no, 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 two and a half million or something. That like sounds that. like an environmental and, disaster. <laughs> yes, and then let them off all at once. Uh, it's next to a lake, isn't it? I don't know which which of the lakes it is. Hmm. Ohio, Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, this is a massive environmental disaster as a result. You know, they had just had two million balloons that just didn't ever go Wait, away. Wait, there really was a massive environmental disaster. Yeah, oh. yeah, balloon fest. It was a charitable thing, you know, or whatever. So, 80s charity ideas, you know, usually go wrong. Live Aid, of course, was like the biggest example of this fun run thing, wasn't mm. it? Like, this idea that we could it do... It culminated, really good it, things. Live Aid somehow. Oh. Yeah, coordinating our our leisure activities to, to help the world kind of thing. So. The movie opens in the 80s and a little girl is out with her family and she's at the fun fair. It's in LA, is it? Santa Cruz is the name of the beach. It's famous. This It's seen in other movies, isn't it? In fact, during that opening shot, the little girl's mum says, oh, have you seen they're filming a movie over there? Ah. The movie she was referring to at that era, at that place... Would be Lost Boys. I saw there was another Lost Boys reference in there somewhere as well. That was a good yeah. movie. That was the that was the first movie soundtrack I ever bought. Was the Lost Boys soundtrack? Wow, it's a great yeah. soundtrack. Echo and yeah. the Bunny Man. People are strange. Yeah, the little girl is wearing a Michael Jackson Thriller T-shirt as well. Did everyone yeah. notice that? I learned something about Michael Jackson's Thriller album. I'm gonna I'm gonna send you a YouTube movie 
you need to just watch. Right. N- not a movie, you forgive a me. A film. A, a music video. That's what I need to Is watch. it thriller? It's not thriller. No, it's but it's very 80s. It'll put you right in the mood. I've sent it to your to the chat Zoom on chat. Zoom. Uh, is it going to be enjoyable? Absolutely. Of course it's going to be enjoyable. And drink that 80s fun. Don't take cocaine and play a violin. That's what I've learned so far. <laughs> <laughs> nice jumpers. Not Christmassy at all, but very patterned. Oh, this is very post-talking heads, pre-art of noise. We are artistic. Mm. We'd call it ironic these days, some of this imagery, wouldn't we? Yeah, I guess the strange fifty oh, stuff and then... It's also early days for MTV, right? So they're kind of still working out. This is very yeah. MTV. This video must have been on continuous loop on MTV, along with Black Hole Sun. I know this song, actually. Of course you do. It's classic MTV. It's classic 80s. When was this released? This Dance Hall Days by Wang Chung. I think it's a little before my time. It was released in 1982. Yeah. Wow, that's early. Re-released in 1984. Ah. Uh, six and eight, respectively. So, yeah, I kind of like the, the Lost Boys soundtrack is one of the first times that I went, I want music. So that's that's a fair bit later, like, I don't know, 80-something? 88? 89? What do you think of the lyrics of this song? Grab your baby by the ears. <laughs> Towards the end, we kind of got, do you remember Hot, hot Legs? Or what they're called? Legs and Co. Hot Gossip. Legs and Co. Or the- Hot Gossip. They were the dancers Dancing. on top of the pops that they had to have for the songs that didn't have a music video. Yeah. Yes. And I weren't prepared to come and play live on top of the pops. Yeah, or it might have been unplayable live. Okay, here's the interesting thing about What's that. the name of it, by the way, for the benefit of our viewers, listeners? That's uh, Dance Readers. Hall Days by Wang Chung. Okay. That's a British band, and I think the wow. lead singer, I think his, his dad played in like a, a jazz band or something in dance halls. And he used to go along and play instruments with his dad, I think. That's where wow. he got his sort of musicianship from. And that's where that song and its lyrics came from. That's why it's called Dance Hall Days. Apparently, Michael Jackson had heard that song and wanted to record a version of it for the Thriller album. Wow. But when he approached Wang Chung and asked him about it, he said that the lyrics were too weird and he was going to have to change some of them. And they weren't too happy about that, so they declined. They gave him the finger. Yeah. Hmm. Amazing and cool. Right? I wonder what it was about that song that attracted Michael Jackson. It's catchy. It's got a great hook. What was the lyric? Take your baby. By the wrist. Oh. An inner mouth and amethyst. <laughs> Straightforward. That's the what's unusual about that. Take your baby by the hand. Take her away to Never Neverland. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> you cracked it. They did say take your baby by the ear. Definitely. Oh, that's right. And pull her close now. There, there, there. Yeah. I'll play upon her darkest fears. This is on the sound credits to the movie that we're talking about. <laughs> no, not at all. Oh, I just thought it was trivia. interesting. I'm just struggling to see the connection here, Richard. You know, I mean, no, this usually I'm me... the one accused of wandering off, you know, into my own, <laughs> into my own non sequiturial arguments. But today you, you, you've trumped <laughs> Now, this film made me think of the Thriller album for a lot of reasons. Uh-huh. Ah, there's the connection, yes. Okay. And she's wearing she's a Thriller wearing the t-shirt. She's wearing the Thriller t-shirt. She would have been a, presumably a fan at the time. Uh, uh, I don't know. I don't know. She's, what, she's eight years old, nine no, years old? No, it scared old? her. That's that's in the movie. She was she was she she couldn't sleep because of it. It's one of the things that's evidence that her father... Uh, I found it scary. Yes. You know, when they're doing the, they're doing the, the dance 
in the in the in the graveyard. The thriller video done by John Landis, classic horror director. I found it scary. Yeah. And you know, Jordan mm-hmm. Peele, doubtless a fan of that genre of movie and that that video. I'm well, I'm sure. But the other thing that made me think about this is recently. Noel Clark has had allegations of being a Me Too movement style. Who is Noel Clark? Made, Sorry, he's an actor who. Oh, been in sure, he's Doctor he's who and, he's yeah. a popular contemporary actor, yeah. and he's lost his job, hasn't he? Or hmm. they're not. I think they stopped filming one of the things he was in as a consequence. Sure, and you know, I don't think they're going to be putting repeats up of some of the things he's been he's been in, and yet Michael Jackson's Thriller. And a lot of Michael Jackson's music is still treated, you know, and it's still played. Michael Jackson's not cancelled in the same way. And I well, thought that's interesting. It's interesting because, I mean, specifically uh, Home Alone, what's he called? Macaulay Culkin. Macaulay Culkin. Has categorically denied that anything untoward happened with Michael Jackson ever, you see. The other kid, either before or after his death, hasn't, which, I don't know what the kid, I can't remember what the kid's called, hasn't either, hasn't said that anything sexual ever happened with Michael Jackson. Oh, so you're saying that perhaps Michael Jackson didn't do anything? Well, Michael Jackson had a very weird psychology and certainly was interested in spending time with children in a way that most people would find fucking boring, you know. I mean, uh, God. I, I, <laughs> I empathise. I went to my friends. I have a daughter. Yeah. I went around to my friends. Well, you know, I went to my friends the other day. She said, and she got me to look after the kids. Oh, God, I was literally chewing my own teeth out within three hours. It's just so annoying. Just, no offence to my, my friend's kids, but, oh, God. Well, they probably felt the same about you, Paul, to be fair. He said, "Why have you got so many questions?" He said, "Because I, 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 I was trying to, because you, know, you know, they were arguing, so I was trying to get the older one to say what you know what he did at school. You've know, got so many questions because because <laughs> wait, they they wanted to know why you had so many questions, or you wanted to know? Yeah, well, I was trying to engage him, you know, right. get, you know, whilst they were running wild. <laughs> yeah, quit with the interrogation, Granddad. <laughs> But I, I don't think, you know, the, you know, Ina Blyton, you know, or, or people, other people that have children as muses, I don't think that child as muse fixation is necessarily sexual or psychosexual, even. It could just be memorized, you know, a fondness for one's own. It could just be normal. I see what you're saying. Fondness you're, yeah. for one's own childhood. Well, not childhood. normal. I mean, he did build <sighs> a kiddie playground in his back garden. Well, he built a whole, yeah. Yeah, a, so, a, a obviously, you know, or whatever. Nothing's like, normal about it. And he had a pet monkey it. and an oxygen yeah. tent, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, <It's difficult laughs> yes, there's nothing normal about it. So, no, no, no. But at the same time... I see what you mean. You're saying that the direction might not have been... Might not have been sexual or even psychosexual. Right. You know, it, it could just have been nostalgia, you know. Personally, Could. I'm I'm all Could. I I I think there's a two or three percent chance of what I'm saying to be true. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, I, I think it's a probably reasonable not doubt, maybe. I think there's a ninety-seven percent chance that it probably was sexual or psychosexual, you know. But I I, I mean I, what I'm saying is that at no point have any criminal or, or or even civil cases been brought against them, I don't think. But that that's not the point. Criminal and civil cases aren't needed for cancellation for oh, in, oh, indictment yes. by me too, you know. Well it's different isn't it because I mean it's okay for the BBC to cancel this guy's shows because he's brought the show into disrepute, whether whether it's you know, he's brought mm. it in through his actions. Whether his actions approval or not, the fact he's allowed himself to be cast in the shadow of doubt is enough to cancel. Mm. But then Michael Jackson owned his own records, didn't he? So who's going to cancel it? I don't. And know. he was also making people a lot of money. I I don't know this uh, Noel fellow. 
I don't think he's making people as much money as Michael Jackson. So that's a yeah. That's certainly true. Yeah. But anyway, Dancehall Days, apparently too weird for Michael Jackson. Yeah, wow. back to the movie. <laughs> <laughs> so a little girl is going going through the uh, fairground, isn't she? She winds up going to this Hall of Mirrors mm. down on the beach side. Can I point out, her dad was shit at whack-a-mole. <laughs> was he? Yeah, really Are you a rubbish. whack-a-mole expert? No, he was just hammering on one of the fucking places where the, whether the, the mole was there or not. That's not how you play the goddamn game. It's a strategy. Game. It's, it's a not strategy. a strategy. What are you going to get? Like, sooner or later, you're going to get a mole, if there's you? nine, Yeah, but you're not. The goal isn't <laughs> one mole. Just, Jesus. She passes a guy holding, holding a sign with a Bible verse on it. Jeremiah 11, 11. Oh, yes. And I looked this quote up. So did I. It is, therefore, thus saith the Lord, behold, I will bring evil upon them, wow. which they shall not be able to escape. And though they shall cry unto me, I will not hearken unto them. Wow. A rare mm. case of God behaving like the devil. <laughs> Very rare. <laughs> yes. Yeah, in the Old Testament, I don't know. <laughs> is, he, is he a salty dude in the Old Testament? Yeah. I mean, he makes a lot of mistakes, doesn't he? You know, he screws mm. up all the time. It's unusual, you'd think, for a, for a god. And he's surprised by things, frequently surprised by things. <laughs> In a way, you'd think an omnipotent being would have difficulty arranging. What was that conundrum that Einstein, Einstein posed? If, if a supernatural being like God existed, would he be able to exist outside the laws of physics that he created? No. Well, yes. <laughs> you see, this is the point, you know. I mean, if you say yes then they're not laws of physics anymore, are they? If you say no, then he's not omnipotent, is he? So. Do we like this movie? Is this why we're having so much trouble getting through it? Do we not like it? Have I loved just... it. I loved it. I thought it was an excellent movie. So the girl goes into this Hall of Mirrors thing. Yeah. She's singing a song to keep us Incy Wincy Spider or something, isn't it? I don't know what she sings. But... She's whist- she whistles. Oh, is, it, yeah. is this before? Yeah. yeah. Mm. This bit was very spooky. Very spooky. A kid trapped in a Hall of Mirrors whistling to herself. And the, an owl dark. jumps out at her and stuff yeah. like that. Ooh. It was all themed as if it was like a shamanistic journey for you know Native American Indian, yes, indigenous called, people. It, the, the, like the sign on the front was something Native American journey or something, but find yourself. It said, yes. like, really, yeah. 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 And she does, doesn't she? Mm. Because she comes upon a mirror where she's looking at the mirror, but the image in the mirror is facing away from her. It's only a mm. doppelganger. It's a doppelganger. Yeah, and and she turns around slowly and smiles at her in a weird way. Yeah, the the weird smile. I wasn't sure if there was some CG involved in that because it was a very spooky, very very spooky moment. We then fast forward to the present era, you know, sort of nowish, don't we? Contemporary times. I'm guessing what twenty five years later, yeah, minimum. Yeah, present. And we're, That's what it we're says. with uh, that great girl grown up, as I suppose we're given to understand, aren't we? Played by actress uh, Lupita Nyong'o. Mm. She was in Black Panther. Was she? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Like, uh, is she recognised as being a, a really good a- actor, or is she just increasingly so? Right, because this performance is particularly good, mm. isn't it? It's good, yeah, yeah. Uh, she's the mum of a young girl and a younger brother and her husband, and they're off on a holiday, going to a beach house or something, aren't they? Except she doesn't like the beach because it's Santa Cruz. Well, it's scarred by her experience. She doesn't like the beach. She certainly doesn't like Santa Cruz. Because the, the beach, yeah, well, it's the same beach they're going back to. So she's... Makes you wonder why they've got a beach house near there, doesn't it? It's not a beach house, actually. It's by a little lake, mm. isn't it? And the beach yeah, but the husband says, hey, we're heading to the beach today at mm. some point. Yeah. After the first night. Obviously somewhere close by. And it? she's like, no, I don't want to go. 
But she goes anyway, doesn't she? He's really keen to go, and he's keen to buy a little boat. He buys a motorboat on the... It's either a lake or it could be an inlet, I guess, sort of further inland. Her husband, uh, played by Winston Duke, who was also in Black Panther. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, they were both in it. So I, I was confused. Did they turn up with the family that's next door or did did they happen to know the, the other people that are in the, in, the, in the lake lodge next door by chance or, or having met them before? I think they're just friends with them, aren't they? Oh, they're, they're friends. Regular. Either they go there regularly or they live there permanently. It was not clear. So they're all in the car, this family, on the way to their holiday home. <laughs> and the mum turns around at one point to her little brother, uh, to her little son, sorry. And she says, hey, Jason, get in rhythm with whatever song they're singing. Yeah. yeah. I got I got five on it, isn't it? They, I think they did a special version for it, didn't they? But and she's Not a very teaching... good song, I have to say. Well, okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Huh. And she's teaching her son to yeah. click his fingers to the beat. Yeah. But she was out of time. Did I Marginally. I, th- I no. thought she kind of drifted off and then came back in. Do you, you think that that was... Um, I think that's a clue. Okay. I think that's a clue. But I could, I could be wrong. To the plot spoiler that we're not going to plot spoil at the moment, yeah. Yeah, we're going to tease people with the plot Let's spoiler tease and then eventually yeah. spoil there's, it anyway. There's a twist at the end. We should probably, just before we give the twist, which I don't think is that difficult to work out, maybe we should just mention. Let's foreshadow that, that plot spoiler. Yeah. Okay, there's a pl- big plot spoiler coming. This woman obviously has some psychological hang-up issues, doesn't she? Mm. She doesn't really want to go to the beach. And she keeps having flashbacks to her childhood. That's right. Where after that incident... you. Know, Apparently, she's not speaking to her parents. She stops speaking completely. Mm. They take her to a therapist who presumably tries to fix her. Nowadays, you know, she seems more normal. But when they're at the beach chatting with their next-door neighbour friends, you know, she's talking about how difficult she finds it to speak as well to her friend, doesn't she? Mm. And she has a bit of a panic attack when her son disappears. He goes wandering off. He finds the same Hall of Mirrors Mm. place. Although it's no longer a Native American thing, it's now themed as Merlin's Cave or something. I didn't because, notice that, wow. Mm, but still says, find yourself underneath. That's true, yeah. But Does uh, she head back in straight away? No. No, no, she doesn't go back in. She's frightened of it. And she, oh, obviously, right, so, yeah. she's upset that her son nearly went yeah. into it as well. I did want it. This bit was, I thought, was very well written. I wrote, sinisterness at maximum. It's like nothing in particular is happening, but it's really yeah. unsettling. Yes. So we yeah. know that 30 years previous, uh, a Boppelbamba has turned up to do whatever with her. And we didn't say any more of that. Now, uh, how did, I mean, uh, at some point, weird people start occurring outside their ski lodge, their, their lake lodge. Yeah, yeah they, they go back from the beach. How are those, is it just, do we get a sense that they're summoned from the Hall of Mirrors or not? It's not clear, is it? Not but- clear, no. But, it, but I, having seen that, I think we were supposed to presume, oh, right, okay, it's to do with what happened back there, yeah? Yeah, they, they look out the window, don't they, and they see an, a family standing in their driveway, somewhat uh, silhouetted by lighting behind them. This is this is once they're back in their lakeside lodge place. She's gone, yeah. phew, I survived the beach. Yeah. Relax. Uh oh. She, no. she also We're says people she, on the she really wants to go home as well. She's like, I'm done with this. Yeah. I don't know. And he yeah. and the husbands all like, it's cool. Why are you freaking out? Everything's chill. <laughs> it's quite. It kind of echoes what happened in Get Out, doesn't it? Yeah, because he's like, umming and in Get Out. Should I go home? I need to go yeah. home. I'm not going. I'll go home tomorrow, kind of thing. Yeah. And the same thing's happening here. Too late. Like they, they could just get in the car and leave, but they don't do for whatever reason. Yeah, the husband's like chilling her out and. There's weird people standing in the driveway. Mm. All of a sudden. 
the husband, uh, he gets uh, defensive eventually, doesn't he? That they think they'll go away. I think they they try calling the police. Maybe yeah, they call the police. But he eventually he goes outside with a baseball bat to try and scare them off, and he shouts at them first, and they don't move. So he goes up to them, and then the rest of his family are watching, and they see the the big guy grab the bat off him, I think, and hit him, don't they? Ooh. Or does he run back? Yeah, he runs back at this because there's some really injured. He hits his leg, I think, or something. Oh no! He closes the door. He gets hit by the bat through the door, doesn't he? That's it. Yeah. So then we get this kind of advancing slowly, but cut shot, cut back to the monster guy, and he's moved a bit faster than you expect. Kind of zombie movement effects. So we get a sense that they're not quite human. Yeah. The other members of the family that were standing on the driveway, the kid and the little girl, have scattered around the house. Yeah, like little animals. It's horrible. They kind of scamper off into the bushes after the mum makes like a weird noise. Yes. This bit feels a lot like the purge kind of thing. Ah, yeah. I think the little boy is the scariest of them all, somehow. I don't know. He's kind of... He he literally behaves like a little little dog, doesn't he? Demon. Demon dog, yeah. There are lots of points where I thought the writing was exceptionally good. And there was yeah. there was a moment here, like the dialogue especially, there was a moment here where it's been set up the... Before this, the mother sends the daughter to bed and she says, and don't go on your phone. And then the daughter goes straight under the covers and, of course, is straight on her phone. But later on, I think possibly after the husband's been hurt, she's like, Dora, give me your phone. And Zora goes, well, I didn't hear. Zora, give me your phone! And she goes, ah! And she just gives it the phone. <laughs> Which is just, it's very, very family. Like, the family felt very real. It is. Mm. Very real, yeah. It's beautifully written. And yeah, it's it funny is. as well. It is funny. You see, I didn't get the funny. I was just terrified <laughs> by this movie. <laughs> I, the humour was, uh, that was just too much information. I just, I, my brain was trying to calm me down all the way through, basically. You know, but terrified. even the idea is funny of this. It is funny, yeah, is, yeah, yeah. But I was scared by it, so... The other family break into the house, and it turns out to be their doppelgangers wearing these red jumpsuits. Ah. I don't think any of the doppelgangers speak except... Completely exactly right, yeah. Only Lupita's Mm. doppelganger speaks, and that's for a reason that we know later. (laughs) Dun-dun-dun! Are we foreshadowing again? But she does speak with a very broken voice, doesn't she? Yeah. Apparently, Lupita took JFK's uh, vocal issues as a uh, a model for this because apparently he had some kind of really paralysis of the voice box, or something dysphonia or something. But John Francis Kennedy for Frederick for Fitzgerald. I, I think it was a Kennedy. John... Maybe it wasn't JFK. Oh, I never knew that. Uh, yeah, but she's got a very cracked voice. And she does a lot of speaking here. This is probably the most we she hear does. from the doppelgangers at any point. Well, we get an exposition dump, don't we, mm. at this point, where it's explained. In fact, it's done in flashback as well, isn't it? Mm. Where they've got the family chained up to the table or having hit them with baseball bats. They're in no position to fight back for the moment. And she explains what's gone on, which is that some kind of experiment is alluded to where they worked out how to clone or take copies of people. But I think the implication is that it doesn't... The clones don't have a soul, and so they're somehow broken or lesser people. And so they're all kept in these underground facilities, and they grow up leading a shadow existence, effectively. She says that all they've had to eat is rabbits. Some of this happens (laughs) later, I think. Some of this is revealed later. 
That's true. I may be confusing when it exactly it's revealed. Mm. But the story is these people are being kept on the ground. They're now sort of breaking out of this. In a huge sucked. mirror world, a huge labyrinth of yeah. underground tunnels. Mm. Yeah. Such that somehow the it doesn't necessarily geographically map our our world, but it, it, it psychogeographically maps our world. Let's say, you know, They've got these people and there's a position or a movement for doing, for representing the thought that their real doppelganger is having kind of thing. So they kind of, it's very weird and quite effectively portrayed, I thought, that that, that whole thing. Where it's a geography, but it's not necessarily mapping to our physical geography, but maybe mapping to our mental mind map geography. So, yeah, it was good. And when they're under there, they do seem to be acting out exactly what they're real world counterparts yeah. are doing yes don't they? and that's yeah. part of the uh lupita's doppelganger's complaint is that i didn't get to choose my husband he was forced on me you know i didn't get to choose to uh, have yeah. a kid no. they, they just happened we are americans she says at that point as well who are you we are americans this this whole underclass of half people kind of thing you yeah know, people people without souls these doppelgangers without souls uh suddenly they recognize her as their leader somehow 30 years previously, she is chosen as the chosen one to lead them out of the darkness. Isn't that right? I think that's what we conclude, yeah. And now, in the present day of the movie, somehow they've managed to get out. Yeah. And not just here, but apparently all over the country, as we learn. But they don't know that at the moment, at at that present time. They've managed to, like, escape from the clutches of that family. The husband and his doppelganger, he was taking him down to his boat. And he was going to be thrown in to the water to drown, but he manages to turn the tables. And it's quite a funny bit, isn't it? Where he uh, he knocks him out of the boat, but I think he also ends up falling out of the boat. Isn't that? It's a very well happens? done bit because they set it up. There's a lot of good writing in this, in the yeah. sense that something innocuous happens and then it's folded back in. So he, he like earlier, yeah. he buys the boat and shows up with it, and the, you know. Uh, yeah. uh, the mother, Lupita, kind of rubs her forehead and goes, oh, Christ, another one of these ridiculous things. And we're laughing at the fact that it's half broken and it, it's difficult to turn on. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it, it goes, goes around, around in circles. circles and all this stuff. <laughs> and then when his doppelganger takes him down to the boat, this is a really important part of their fight. Uh, I think he, he, uh, yeah. somebody gets a yeah. bit of leg, uh, bit, uh, some rope around the leg, and then it goes off on its own. And he's like, oh, finally, it's dragged away the doppelganger. But then, of course, it circles back around because it goes in circles. <laughs> It's just, it's, it's just good. That's right. It's yeah, yeah. Good. yeah, yeah. There's a great line actually when they're escaping from the family. One of them says, "This is the time to run and not to be sprinkling micro machines on the ground." <laughs> oh no, because they're arguing about whether they should make their stand in the house. Yes, that's right. Yeah, and and the kid goes, "What are micro machines? What's home alone?" <laughs> yeah. But they manage to escape. They go to the next door mm. neighbor's house. The the, the folks they were with on the beach, whose daughters are twins, which again is another charming horror mm. reference, isn't it, to The Shining? We've just also watched that family getting beaten up by their own doppelgangers, which is really the first time I think I was like, oh, it's more than just the family. That's mm. right. Yeah, it's everywhere. Yeah, yeah, but it is a really nice set piece. Although I have to say, can I say that I actually, in the end, didn't like this movie? Whoa, whoa. Humdinger of a shock. And this, it sort of started around this time. I was, I, I, it, it's more than this, but some things just started to irritate. And this is one of the first things that irritated me. I wrote down, whitey doppelgangers don't fuck about, do they? Because, because oh. the main family 
feel it, at this point it really felt like they had plot yeah. armor because they all it's very this kind of very long elaborate sets of things somebody runs away somebody's chasing each other we're sitting down playing a game in a cupboard yes. we're doing long speeches we're taking somebody out on a boat this lot have got rid of their own family now just coming down the driveway to get rid of well, us they, no of. they just walk straight in and stab them they don't muck about they just juke 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 yes. now we win ah but the difference is the Peter's doppelganger can speak and she's got oh. she's got beef and she wants to express herself they're just, but the other doppelgangers just, yeah. can't okay alright this movie of course it's not really it's certainly not as racially charged as Get no. Out but it's very very socially charged with the politics of class mm. isn't it it seems to be talking about an American underclass yeah the race race isn't really an explicit part of the movie I was kind of kept expecting it to be because of Get Out but no, uh, it's just that the the main family, the protagonist family, if you will, happen to be black. But it, it would black, have made yeah, no yeah. difference if they were white. It would have made no yeah. difference. That's right. Yeah, and indeed, the the, the neighbor's family, whitey family, who happened to be white, could have been that's black. What I call and them. could have been them that we were following in a sense. We get the sense that it's a middle class black family, a middle class yeah. white family. You know, well, they've got holiday right. homes yeah. as well. I mean. Absolutely. Sure, yeah. but you get a sense that they, they, somehow they're quite satisfied with the struggle that the American dream has presented to them. You know, I mean, there's there's a struggle, but there, there's there's a reward at the end. You know, the fact that he's happy with the kind of cheap and nasty boat implies they've struggled. You know, the station wagon isn't too fresh, but but at the same time, you know, they're, they're living a life of comfort. They're and living direction. a great life. I mean, is that a, a second life? house yeah, they've got yeah. next to the? Oh. Sure, yeah, yeah. Well, that's what this movie is about. It's about challenging that comfort, isn't it? With the idea that for every person like that, there's somebody else struggling in much worse mm. circumstances. And, you know, could could have been you, but for some But you wouldn't know. You, you, you never know about them because they literally live underground almost, don't they, compared to the uh, middle class. Uh. They're certainly not in the same neighbourhoods. That's what this movie is saying, isn't it? It's a class... Struggle kind of movie. And the idea, the plan as it seems to be, is that all of these underground doppelgangers are going to emerge. And the plan is to form the Hands Across America, Mm. all standing there in their red jumpsuits. And this takes place in the the last section of the movie where our family, our hero family, are escaping. And they end up going back to the beach and they see this line of these doppelgangers all just standing there, stretching out into the sea quite weirdly, don't they? And then going on through the fun and this was and stuff. Lupita's doppelganger's plan. Yes. And the reason it is her plan is, if you remember back when she was an eight-year-old girl, and this is what... So we have to come now to the spoiler, don't we? Spoiler! Lupita and her doppelganger end up fighting in the tunnels that are underneath... This fun fair that she finds the escalators that take it down. Just a point of order. Are we going to go back and do the bit before this? Because we could just cover it now. Because it's pretty much just the will. There's like there's just there's a lot of action, and then we get here. But the but it's it's there is a whole lot of action. I mean, it's just good action. Yeah, it's just good action. Yeah, isn't it? Did you not nothing particular about it? I was just. It's a yeah, good, it's fighting. good fighting. It's good fighting. Um, stuff, isn't it? There's the nice bit where the little kid, mm, Jason, yes, isn't it? Yes, it is Jason. The, the, the car, the, the, they stop the car on the road, and the doppelganger Jason is standing there 
in front of them, I think. And he's just set fire to mm. a car in front of them. And Lupita gets out to try and talk to him, you know. Oh, that's doing. really clever, that part, yeah. He's a clever little and, and then And then um, above ground, Jason says, it's a trap, and he tells everyone to get out of the car. And Lupita looks down, and there's a trail of petrol leading back to the car. Fucker, just yeah. And he just puts the match down. Of course, it's bad science, because... Petrol doesn't burn like that on the ground. But, uh, but the uh, the real boy Jason walks backwards and controls walks his doppelganger somehow. Yeah, that's to right. Connection to walk backwards into to the fire. To walk backwards, yeah. 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 I like that. I like that. We're going out to the catacombs. Yeah. Well, Lupita's got to have a final showdown with her doppelganger, and they have a fight and stuff. Yeah. And plot spoiler: quickly get to it. In the end, the Lupita we've been following, above ground Lupita, kills a doppelganger. And and as she does so, it's revealed that she was really the underground mm. Lupita as dun. a little girl. And that she'd swap places with her. And so that's why, of course, that's why uh, she couldn't speak initially. Because like all of the other doppelgangers, she couldn't speak. She had to now, sort of learn to speak. In how many movies has that? I'm the, I no, he's the real. I'm the real Slim Shady. He's not the real Slim, Slim Shady. Double swap occurred. It's I don't know, but very rarely so well. So well, this is the point I'm saying. I, it has occurred in countless movies, yeah. And yeah. yet I didn't see it coming here. And then when it yeah. happened, and I realized it was just you know the, the double body swap. I was still amazed by it. So yeah. So really well done, I thought. And of course, doppelganger Lupita. Her voice is so bad, either because she doesn't use it very often, or because her voice box was damaged when a little yeah. doppelganger girl. And, and the reason that she can speak is because yes, she's one of us. It's because she has human. a soul. It's because she she she's learned a human. to speak. She's and a the quanchi. reason she's a quanchi human. And the reason that she has this idea to have all the doppelgangers line up is because that was the last thing she remembered. She watched it on TV. As a little eight-year-old girl, okay. this whole charity drive. It was yeah. like a big thing, you know, in her mind. So as so she's there underground, was no... living a shadow life, she's dreaming of above ground where she's going to, you know, go back to the hands across America and she's going to recreate so, it. So really, the doppelgangers can never really liberate themselves and become human is what you're saying. Well, They, they seem to be like zombies, don't they? They're always going to be zombies. I mean, even above the ground, ones that she ground. leads, she's the only one with agency. They all do what she says. They all just follow her. They put on the red jumpsuits and they do exactly what she says. So the crystals mm-hmm. were never going to coalesce and free them, essentially. No, there's no redemption for them. It's oh, so, oh, it's God. ultimately. Oh, that's really it, sad. Yeah, I was believing the magic of the movie. You see that you know they were going to oh, take hands their across crystal. America. They were going to take our crystals and their crystals, and boom, you know oh. they would be free. And I did. I, did you see the bit in in, so in Whitey's uh, beach house? Didn't look like much soul merging was going on there. A lot no. of scissor slicing. And... <laughs> Interestingly, each doppelganger only ever kills their counterpart. Yeah, really? that's that's what that's what sustained the magic for me. Yeah, you see, except like, ah. possibly Lupita herself. All of the others only ever kill their own counterpart, and then they go off and prep and hold hands in the hands across America. Ah, yes. Because yes. for me, you know, if if there if there is an underground you know, laboratory created doppelganger of each of us that doesn't have a soul, at this point, you know, it implies that souls either could be recognised or we just could recreate the aspect of us. So uh, for me, I, I was believing that 
those aims are actually mm. achievable. Whereas you're saying she was just brain damaged from being strangled. No, I think I think you're I think you're you're right. Lapita herself seems to be a normal person, doesn't she? And that that but I think that's saying that you know these people you think are underclass are no different. Oh, really? Okay, so we're not we're not supposed to follow those the weft the weft and warp of the of the characterization to that extent. I see. Because you know her zombie is now a real person, isn't she? So that's right. Yeah, she yeah. has got a soul. So yeah. the magic does still but, work. But yeah. there's still a boodoo boodoo. Just not by holding hands. There, there was a bit at the end where it was like, <laughs> she's looking at her son and the son's looking at her and he's suspicious. Her son seems to like, clock it. Yeah, oh no, it's the thing. Can I, can I? Jordan Peele, by the way, and of course, should be known, t- took over the Twilight Zone, didn't mm. he? He's been doing the Twilight Zone ah. since. But anyway, in terms of underground uh, networks, US doesn't really have many. The Cincinnati Subway is, I think, is the most famous. You know, if you watch the YouTube Explorer videos, mm. uh, it's only about two miles in length. But I don't think there are extensive underground passageways. I mean, there are here in Blackpool, the old uh, toilet network. Underneath. The old toilet network. Do you not remember? Do you not remember the 80s, Richard? You went to Blackpool. You used to go for pee underneath the promenade. Oh, okay. Right. I, no, I, don't, I can't recall ever going for a pee under the promenade in Blackpool. Yeah, there's a bar. There's lots of sort of... And there is a bar in Manchester called the Temple of Convenience, which is built in an underground toilet. Wow. But anyway, let's do the scores for us. Yes. A movie which, by the way, the sorry, Jacob. Which... Sorry, Richard. Can I just... Jacob said he didn't ultimately like no. the movie. I was perplexed. I, you hates... never, I, 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 I'm not sure how you got to that. I, can you repeat your well, logic? Okay, sorry, so sorry. I didn't really. I didn't. I don't think I really explained my logic. But um, I think it's really well made. I think uh, a lot yeah. of the dialogue is excellent. Um, I think a lot of the effects are nice. There's lots of clever story stuff. But ultimately, all I could see was some sort of metaphor about class. Or poverty that didn't uh, work like that. It didn't it, work. Like it at various points, it didn't make sense. And I also just found the whole uh, the supernatural part. It was neither robust nor a compelling argument nor entirely convincing. It was a directionless yeah, observation. Yeah, exactly. There, there's two yeah. groups of people and something, something, something. And also the the logic of I get that the I logic that. of of how it was actually supposed to work with all these people underground eating raw rabbits. That was really important. There were a lot of rabbits. <laughs> Stop. Yeah. In, in, in Betty loves killing. Uh-huh. Yeah. They oh yeah, you were all for too. that. Yeah, you gave <laughs> that. <laughs> they cook. This is clear by this, this movie. At this point, in this movie, I had a paranoid fog effect. You know, fog moment where it's like, oh my god. Rabbits, they're, they're everywhere. There's a deep connection to all kinds of killing going on here. Because it, it jumped across movies. <laughs> you know, she was cooking rabbits with her mother in Bella, Bella Loves Killing. And then these people are eating raw rabbits. So, yeah, rabbits. What is well, it about I, rabbits? I, I, I did I watch a, uh, Alice in Wonderland. That's partly, I think, what the rabbit thing is about a little bit. Is when you're going to go ah, off on a journey into a weird yeah. place. Oh, down the rabbit yeah. hole. And that, that made me yes. think. But then... I was trying to remember is is the is the rabbit symbolism is it is it related in some way to American poverty? Well, in his earlier movie, it finished on run rabbit run rabbit run. run. Yes, yes, uh, it does, okay. It? Yeah. So it might just be a play very possibly, on that. very possibly. The actual what was going on with them in this basement world? It was spooky. I'm not going to lie. It was spooky with that where they were all. I think they replay her walk. This was good. Like like a lot of the technique. Yeah is really good. They replay the little girl's walk through the fun fair and she's looking to her left 
and there's all That's these right. people on a on a, like a roller coaster, and a they're just packed coaster. into a room. They're all kind of miming, and the, they just the look like they're having ride, yeah. fits, kind of as a group. It's like yeah. it's really spooky and unpleasant. But I just start. But then they're where are they getting their vitamin C? It's like those are the sort of questions. There are big science questions about this. No question. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. And then there was some weird tone stuff that happened that also pulled me out. And this is a separate complaint. That's my main complaint. But then once I'd sort of been bumped out the movie a bit, I just noticed sometimes they were doing like kooky, we're a family. What's your kill count? I've killed two. I'm the boss. Kind of funny, you know, Mm. back and forth, snappy dialogue in really horrific circumstances. And then suddenly later, and and so is it like Joss Whedon? Is it snappy, funny, postmodern stuff? And then later it kind of snaps to, no, it's really horrifying in their reactions, like the little boy and her fight. And like, is this really deadly serious or is it? And that that's quite a minor complaint. I think I was just mostly snapped out by the, but technically, fa- technically fantastic. But as a whole, I just didn't think it fit together. Well, I, I think that class aggression, from super straight classes can often be recast in very innocuous ways. So run, rabbit, run, rabbit, run, run, run. You know, the idea that there's an implicit threat to to make black people run and to join the chain gang and to work hard and to have, you know, their songs of community is the idea that aggression forces them into these kind of behaviours. So, you know, I, I, I think you could see somehow the privilege of class aggression allows you to cloak your aggression. I don't know, rabbits? There are lots of rabbit songs that have this kind of innocuous but quite sinister aggressive class power, I think. What's what's the other rhyme, you know? In a cottage in a wood, a little old man at the window stood, saw a rabbit jumping by, knocking at the door. He cried, help me, help me, help me, he said, before the huntsman shoots me dead. It's the idea that the, the old man is actually the huntsman. He's just creating, uh, you know, a paper tiger for the rabbit to run away to. And so the rabbit comes into his... You know, he's locus of control, the cottage. You know, I think Hansel and Gretel and the witch, these ideas of getting people to run away from things in order to run into the pit or, you know, the the little dungeon that you're going to control mm. them with. I, and, and then all of this is cast in a very, you know, a very, a very subtle, I, 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 non-offensive wallpaper. I mean, that's a that's a privilege of class aggression. I think I think he's choosing these ideas in that kind class of aggression. Way, you know. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Well, I'm saying that class aggression, when it comes from privilege, can be, particularly if it's race, race class aggression, can be wallpapered in a way that makes it seem innocuous. And I think he chooses these kind of like old little songs to be hinting at those things, but also to be saying, well, dangerous things are often wrapped in, in you know, in, in quite safe. Yeah, yeah, the kind of the, the facade. Yes, the facade that comes with real problems. I mean, maybe I, haven't, maybe I haven't explained my problem properly. I think it was just at some point I was like, you're telling me too much about the mechanics. And I start to have yeah. questions yes. yeah. that you yeah. aren't then answering. Wouldn't it have been better if they were just ghosts or something? Like, yeah. such a large part of the movie is taken up with... I, I wrote here, zombie movie with extra pointless bullshit. Which... <laughs> Yeah. Is not necessarily fair. It's it's, it's it's it is it's it's a competent movie. I didn't hate it. It wasn't what was yeah. that tragically awful thing we watched? Night of the Phoenix or whatever. It's not that, but <laughs> the Phoenix incident. It annoyed you enough that you 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 were dismissive of it in a summary way, like you know, <laughs> zombie movie. Bullshit. Yeah, it was, it so. was um, because. Yeah. I think that that might be it. It's just too much explaining. It's like now you're telling me all these things and it doesn't... You could have left a lot of that stuff unsaid. 
So your preference is either for or not for a deus ex machina in your movie? Either I want the metaphor to click together really nicely all down the line or don't explain the under the underworld that deeply because otherwise it's just not going to fit. Ah, I agree. Either make it a loose allegory or yeah. make it an analogy with a working model. That yeah, yeah. Or very, very, very. Co- and more than yeah. that, like I, you, it's never perfect. Metaphor is never perfect, you know, or allegory or whatever you want to call it. The other world, right? Yeah, no, it, you're right. It, it, it fell uncomfortably between between loose allegory and, and a physical and, explanation yeah. with and some kind of working, science behind working it. Working metaphorical yeah, that's an, a, a, analogy, yeah. yeah. And it didn't work. It didn't work. Because what are we to believe that there are sufficient <laughs> tunnels under every city in the US that they can all act out every single thing every person is doing? It, that yeah. doesn't, that's clearly not true. So here I get to my yeah. main point. Sorry to interrupt, Richard, but it's a very important point, so I'm going to interrupt. Which is... This came out after Stranger Things. This is just a little sort of Christmas Christmas import <laughs> copy of a really good game station, you know, like PlayStation. Like, it's like, do you not think? It's certainly not as good and as complete no. piece as Get Out. Is it not just a Stranger Things copy? Come on. Uh, well, uh, but that's comparing it to something completely different, I think. Well, in terms of the, in terms of the world, in terms of the meta world. In terms of the metaverse. Well, this this through the looking glass idea. I mean, you know, rabbits, Alice in Wonderland. But also um, there was a Stephen King book, which he co-wrote with Peter Straub, that was really along those lines. Really? Where, uh, and I don't know if it's ever been made into a film. I can't remember the title of this book. But it was all about this mirror world. And when I was watching Stranger Things, I was thinking... Uh, you know, I was reminded of that. It's not close enough to Stranger Things for me. No, I'm not saying it's a copy, but I'm saying, is it not copying riding the wave yeah. of Stranger Things somehow? To a degree, maybe. To a degree. You know, at the same time, he's also it's also very much, you know, he's drawing on all the classic horrors, isn't he? Clearly, he loves um, The Lost Boys. Clearly, he likes He knows his thriller. horror movies. We know that clever, yeah. Yeah. From his other horror movie, yeah, influences. Yeah. That's where yes. it, a lot of where it's coming from. Stranger mm. Things, of course, comes from the same places. Um, speaking of movie influences, potentially or influences on this, I did see on the IMDb website, and you can see these things. Uh, you can see this yourself. An interview with uh, Lupita Nyong'o and uh, Winston Duke, in which they say they were told to watch ten movies um, by yes. by Jordan Peele to get a shared language for how, what yes. the film is going to be like. The te- I, I don't know most of these. The Shining, yeah. Dead Again, The Babadook. The Babadook. Oh, we should, perhaps we should watch that. Well, they, uh, this is a good reason to go through them. Yeah, exactly. It Follows. Papa Lazarus. Tale of Two Sisters, The Birds, Funny Games, Martyrs, Let the Right One In, and si- The Sixth Sense, which I've seen. I've seen The Sixth Sense. But, yeah. yeah. Wow. And the two movies that really fleeked out Lupita and Winston Duke were Tale of Two Sisters, which is a Korean horror film, apparently, and Funny Games. Let's do the scores then, starting with acting. Oh, well, no, it's great. The acting was great. I'm just going to score it nine and just say very little about it. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, 8.5. I'm going to give it a nine. Lupita mm. does two roles. Brilliant. Okay, a nine. But also nine. loved Changing. the little kid who was great. Jason was particularly strong. I thought he was, you know, they were both good, the kids, but Jason was really, really strong. I don't well, I love the girl. I thought she was a great, she did a great teenage angsty thing. She did, yeah. Going yeah. On. Uh, yeah but he did like, when he when he was growling as a dog <laughs> on all fours, it was, 
It was really scary. He did a good job of scaring me, the little kid, yeah. yeah. Well, let's talk about uh, Fear Factor. Paul, oh, you said you were terrified. This this, this terrified me so much I didn't realise. I, I knew there were comic moments, but they ceased being funny. I was just scared all the way through. I, I, I think this really terrified me a 10, yeah, yeah. It's menacing, isn't it? It's I couldn't watch it. You know, you when have to family... stop a movie. It happened to me. You know, like, it hasn't happened for 20 or 30 years where you have to stop wow. a movie. So I'm just going to watch that later. Yeah. It was, I just found it terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. When the family were outside, that's extremely menacing. But she continues, the whole family continues to be very menacing all the way through. Uh, you know, you're always, you know, worried about what they're going to do. And you feel a lot for the, the, the hero family, don't you? I think you don't want mm. anything bad to happen to them. The pacing and the rhythm was good because it, there was never too much action. It, it never became, you know, a, a Marvel movie of, of horror. Yeah. It was very nicely paced. There were lulls and quiet moments and moments of reflection. And the rhythms of when, you know, a face was going to appear at the window, all that kind of stuff. He, he just has a very good sense of the lexicon of, of, of horror movies, I think. I didn't find it creepy particularly oh. i suppose not it wasn't all that scary menacing certainly some of the elements that jacob's criticized took me out of it a bit but i'll give it an eight for fear factor uh-huh. i think it it is a good horror i um, thought it started strong and at some point i just got ripped out of it a bit i'm gonna give it i am gonna give it a six uh, which is still scary i was you know all right yeah completely yeah, it's a pass so we should talk about storyline and plot, shouldn't we? Yeah, I think here, in terms of the plot, I, I think the character development here and the fact that it was, they were a fully fleshed out family, uh, you know, the wise cracking between them, it was all, I think that helped to make what is quite a ridiculous and ridiculous story. It, it, it helps. It. it helped, it, it, it positioned it, you know, and gave it, and gave it, and gave it, a weight that it wouldn't otherwise have had. And so therefore I thought the storyline held up mostly, apart from what Jacob was, you know, Jacob's exposition about the fact that if you look at it in detail, the details were there. They were discussed and made explicit to us. I don't know why they did that because ultimately mm. they didn't make sense. It would have been best just to have them hazy in the background, I think. So I down score for that, I would score it a seven. I feel the same way. I feel almost exactly. So I'll give it a seven. But it, the dialogue is, it's a high point, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. I, I'll, I'll go with the same, I thought, because it was so well written. And they, they did a lot of really beautiful stuff with reincorporation again and again. The owl from the funhouse pops out again later yeah. in the movie and she hits it and destroys it. It's like, that's just one example <laughs> yeah. of, of, of this. And the dialogue and all that stuff let down, and just as Paul said, uh, seven. All right. Um, we do have a category for special effects and stuff. Not sure how it fits in here, as usual. Or production values. That's also, let's also put that in here. It was a very well put together movie. Nothing wrong with it. Like, it, it, not exceptional. Great. Good. High quality. Eight. I'll tell you, that last sequence that they do, sort of over the closing titles, where the helicopter is going along through you know, over the countryside with this long line of people holding hands and Goose red jump sheets. Great, great effects as well. There. Oh. I, don't, I don't know how they did that. Presumably it's some kind of CGI. That reminded me of The Shining. I think, isn't there a bit where they're going over the fields or something? Or maybe that's Blade Runner. But I don't know. True. No, no, that is The Shining. Now, I don't know if it's Chucky. I don't know if it's Chucky 2 or Chucky 3 where Chucky appears in the Hall of Mirrors. But obviously, Chucky 2 or Chucky 3 was not the first horror movie oh. to do 
Hall of Mirrors. Hall of Mirrors. So which was the first horror movie to do Hall of Mirrors? Oh, yeah. blimey. Well, that's a question that will never be answered. <laughs> but anyway, what I'm saying is, you know, uh, these, the scenes plotted out for the movie were, were just great. You know, we had the Hall of Mirrors. You know, we had the spooky fairground. We had the lake from Friday the 13th, you know, and we had all that stuff, really. In terms of, what, what do we call it? Production values? I don't think you can knock it. So you're giving it a... A nine. A, a, a resounding nine. Yeah. I'll give it a nine as well. And an overall score of definite recommend. But it does have that slight niggle about it. I'll give it an eight, I think, overall. I enjoyed it so much I don't care about any niggles. I'm going to give it a 9.5. Woo! I'm going to give it a seven. I will give it a seven because I would recommend it, but say there are better movies there are better movies it's mm. oh wow are there better movies we will find out when next week we will be watching one of these two movies paul i'll give you the choice this time okay i'm gonna suggest one the babadook mentioned as one of the movies that jordan peele asked his actors to watch wow a brief introduction is it a recent movie or it's in the last decade or something. Yeah, wow. one you would have missed in China, I think. I think it's it's a, a horror movie. I think it came out along the lines of Sinister and The Conjuring. Ah, I think it's right. sort of that era. Okay. Or the Netflix recent release sci-fi disaster movie Greenland. Ah, I know this one. It's kind of like a disaster movie that forgot that Bruce Willis is no longer a thing. Bruce Willis is in it, is he? No, but it's, oh. it's, it's like Bruce Willis never died. Okay, okay. I'm not sure that's a recommendation. Which would you like to watch, Paul? Well, I'd, I'd like the unironic heroism of Greenland, thank you very much, if that's okay. Greenland. Okay. Greenland it is, by, then. Which one I meant by Bruce Willis. Unironic heroism. So for next week, we'll be watching Greenland. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. As if you tuned things in on a podcast. Ciao for now. This has been Drive-By Cinema. And here's the end theme music. See you on the next one. Bye. Bye. Thank God we didn't count down for once, Richard. That's much better. Ooh.